Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, rugby fans. Welcome to episode 149 of the DNVR Rugby Podcast. My name is Colton Strickler. I'm your host. Got a little bit of a shorter show again as we make our way through this slow July, but I'm excited about it. I hope everybody enjoys it. We'll go ahead and start the show off the same way we do every week, and that's by jumping into the breakdown. And the breakdown is brought to you by O'Neill's. O'Neill's is the official sportswear supplier to the biggest teams in world rugby, Infinity Park, and the American Raptors. Shop apparel now at O'Neill's.com. It's O-N-E-I-L-L-S.com. The only thing we really have to talk about in the breakdown this week is, uh, fortunately, USA Rugby. Uh, Eagles suffered an absolutely brutal loss to Chile at Infinity Park last Saturday afternoon. Blew a 19-0 lead in the match. If you take it into account, last match, 20-0 aggregate lead and fell to Chile 31-29 to lose the series by one point and miss out on their latest opportunity to qualify for the 2023 Rugby World Cup. Uh, just seems like they got complacent. So as you all know, I talked a little bit about on the podcast last week. I was out of town. I was at a bachelor party last weekend. Uh, had some downtime on Saturday, so I was watching the first half on my phone. A good chunk of the first half on my phone, I should say. I uh, shut it off after the Eagles went up 19 to nothing. Looked like they had it in the bag. You know, I, I expected Chile to make a little bit of a run, but um, 19-0. They have them backs against the wall. Um, you're in a favorable position. Uh, so I shut my phone off, tried to be present, you know, at the bachelor party, tried to be present where I am. Uh, logged on a little, you know, hour or two later, checked the final score, and I, I just couldn't believe it. I watched... You know, when I got back home, I watched a match in its entirety on Monday. Um, and I kind of, I just feel the same way everybody else did, everyone else does. Um, if you're in the, you know, rugby world, that you consume rugby content, uh, you've seen, you've seen everybody's thoughts on all this. So uh, I won't be, you know, too much of an echo on the topic. But like I said, I feel like they just got a little bit complacent. Um, no disrespect to Chile at all because they earned it, but it's hard not to feel like the Eagles gave it away at that same time. And, and if you watch, you know how the the end of, of match one finished, you know, the Eagles allowing Chile to, to go in and score that point to, to make it a one point deficit. And obviously that try has, you know, huge implications in the series as a whole because their fight, Chile's fight at the end of that first match is what, you know, allowed Chile 
to to steal this series, really. And again, I don't even mean any disrespect by saying the word steal there. It just seemed that the USA had it in the bag uh, and they gave it away. But but credit to Chile. You have to play hard the whole match. Um, hopefully they taught the Eagles a lesson in that because that's what they did for these last two weeks. They, they never quit, uh, never say die. They played from whistle to whistle, and that's all you can ask. And, and, it, and it paid off for them, and they're going to the Rugby World Cup because of it. So huge congrats to Chile. But like I said, it's hard not to feel like the Eagles gave it away a little bit. Um, and now for them, it, it's, you know, it's put up or shut up. They have one more chance to qualify for the Rugby World Cup and the repechage. That's such a hard word to say. I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I had to click the 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 speaker speaking factor on Google a million times this week just to learn that word. Uh, but that tournament's in November, and we'll talk a little bit more about that um, as we talk about all the rugby you can watch this weekend coming up here in a couple of seconds. But that's just kind of my thoughts on it. So, again, I am disappointed, uh, just like every other USA rugby fan, not here to pile on uh, like I have seen kind of elsewhere. Um, I do think that, you know, it's not super unnecessary, I guess the word I'm looking for. It, it, I feel like it's warranted. Like people have the right to be upset and they have the right, I guess, to say whatever they want. Uh, I'm not, of course, going to pile on. You know, I, I know I, if it was me out there, I couldn't be able to do it. But it, but as, you know, fans and supporters of USA Rugby, um, it's hard to not be disappointed. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want to see USA go to the World Cup. We want to see them have, have success. We want to see the sport grow. And right now it's frustrating because it feels like everybody else is kind of doing that and we're, we're kind of stuck in the same spot. Um, and then that's how I feel. I'm, I'm sure there's other people that feel like that, you know, out in the world as well. Uh, so that, that's kind of what I think about the, the match last weekend. Now it's time for the Eagles to regroup, you know, get it together and put their best foot forward in this repechage tournament in November. And we'll see what happens. Uh, so we'll go ahead and move into all the rugby you can watch this weekend. All the rugby you can watch this weekend is brought to you by Wintergreen. Wintergreen loves rugby and wants to support USA Rugby's mission of uniting an inclusive, passionate rugby community to grow the sport of rugby in America. Wintergreen's gels, creams, sprays, and soaks are made with wintergreen oils and other therapeutic natural oils to help to soothe and support sore muscles and joints to keep you at your best. Visit wintergreensport.com to purchase the products you need to help you prepare to win. Uh, so, again, we got a, a short lineup. We had a big one last week, all the internationals, but shorter lineup this weekend as, again, we make our way through the summer. So we've got the NAI 7s in Salt Lake City. That'll take place all day Friday and Saturday. You can watch that on Flow Rugby. I was actually supposed to go to this tournament, but I had other other plans already on the books, so hopefully next year I can make it out there and watch some of that tournament. we got Tonga versus Hong Kong, the Rugby World Cup qualifier. That's on Saturday at 1.30 a.m. You can watch that on something called Clutch.tv. I've never heard of that before, but I looked it up, and it looks like it's $24 a month. So if you already have that, you're in luck. You can watch that. Um, and again, Eagles fans will want to pay attention to this match because the loser will join the Eagles, Kenya, and Portugal in the repechage tournament in November. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. I feel like an idiot every time I say that, but that's a dumb word. Uh, so tune into that. We'll be keeping a close eye on that, of course, seeing the, how that one comes down. In the women's game, we got Japan versus South Africa, uh, Fiji versus Samoa, both on Saturday. Uh, I was not, I could not find where you watch those matches or what time those take place. So. Um, I'm sure if, if we follow the unions, we can find out some more information as we get a little bit closer. And then on Sunday, we have Canada women versus Italy on, on Sunday at 1 p.m. And you can watch that on TSN. 
um, Canadian ESPN, as, as we call it down here in the States. That does it for all the rugby you can watch this weekend, I'm pretty sure. If I miss anything, I'm sorry. Um, but I'm going to be tuning into some sevens throughout the day. Uh, and then I'm flying Saturday. So um, I'll be sure to catch up with all the results when I get a few minutes to myself. Let's go ahead and move into the interview portion of the show. This interview with American Raptors forward Lucas Graham Lake is brought to you by Guard Lab. Join the mouthguard revolution with American-made mouthguards that perform, protect, and recover. For more information, visit GuardLab.com. Had a really good chat with American Raptors forward Lucas Gramlich. Uh, he has an interesting backstory. He played on the offensive line at UCLA for the last four years, so big-time college football program. Uh, while he was at UCLA, he got recruited to play rugby for the Bruins, um, has found his way to the American Raptors after he's, he's ascending the, the rugby ladder very quickly. Um, and it's cool because the Raptors program exists for people like Lucas, you know, big guys, guys that played Division One sports looking to get into rugby. Um, and, and Lucas, like I said, he's making moves. He just uh, competed in the rugby showcase last weekend. Um, I mentioned last on last week's episode I was going to try to get him on. I did. So shout out to me. Uh, I'm just kidding. And then he's at the USA U23 workout this week in Chula Vista. Um, so obviously a guy as big as he is is going to get some looks, but he's taking it super serious, and that's always good to see. Uh, so really enjoyed my conversation with Lucas, and he talks about all that and much more. So I'll stop talking, and we'll kick it to my conversation with American Raptors forward Lucas Gramlich. All right, now we welcome on a very special guest to the show. we got American Raptors forward Lucas Gramlich. Lucas, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going good. Just uh, down here in Chula Vista training with the uh, – USA team for the U23s doing the combine and and uh, just happy having a good summer playing rugby. Perfect, man. That sounds awesome. I'm going to ask you more questions about that. How hot is it there right now, though? Oh, it's beautiful right now. It's um, in the 80s, 70s, and, and it's got a little more, a little more humidity, so it's it's kind of it feels good. Yeah, yeah. That was I guess that was kind of a dumb question because anytime you go to San Diego, the weather is always going to be like 80 and sunny. It's a great place. So. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, I know you're a California boy, so uh, first question we ask everybody that comes on the podcast, can you tell us a little bit about where you're from? Uh, I was born in Vallejo, California, which is in the Bay Area, like San Francisco Bay Area on the north side of it, and um, moved to American Canyon when I was about eight years old, and that's kind of in between Napa and Vallejo, just north of Napa, south of Vallejo, kind of connects the two cities, Napa being like wine country of mm -hmm. California, for uh, those of you that know that. And then uh, grew up there, played baseball, basketball, wrestled, and did football. And uh, never really did rugby, but um, <laughs> went to college, at, stayed in California, went to UCLA, uh, did four years of football there. Um, was trying to graduate, had 10 weeks left, met some rugby boys with five weeks left of my school year. And then there's just been history, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's cool, man. So when did, I guess going back to when you were a kid, when did you decide that, that football was something that you wanted to take seriously? Uh, I knew well, I was always a, more of a baseball kid growing up in America. There's a lot of weight restrictions about football. So I was playing in the third and fourth grade, but if I wanted to play in the fifth grade, I'd be playing with seventh and eighth graders at like 10 years old. Yeah. My parents, my parents didn't really want me to do that. So, uh, Kind of dropped football there and then picked it back up in the eighth grade. So I wanted to get a, I knew I'd, I wanted to play in, in high school and I wanted to get a natural year of experience in before that. So ended up doing that. So I guess eighth grade was when I, I wanted to take it seriously and thought I had a chance to maybe, I was a, I was a big kid, a six foot eighth grader. So mm -hmm. thought I had a chance to maybe go somewhere for it and ended up doing pretty well. 
That's cool. What position in baseball did you play? In baseball, I was a first baseman and a pitcher. pitcher. Perfect. What was your best pitch? Uh, Fastball and changeup. Yeah. I asked uh, Caleb Geiger, played, you know, obviously for American Raptors and then Rugby Night New York. Um, he con- continues to ascend through, you know, the, the rugby landscape. Um, and, and he played baseball in college. And I asked him, do you, do you think there's any similarities between rugby and baseball? Because that is kind of one of the, the, the weirder sports to kind of make the transition from. And now, obviously, mm-hmm. with a little bit of rugby experience for you and playing some baseball in your life, do you, do you see any similarities between the two sports? Um. I would say most of my similarities that I could see directly are from wrestling yeah. in high school and from football. Yeah. Uh, I guess in terms of baseball, just kind of discipline yeah. when, like, in ball handling skills, in the sense that in baseball, you, you work at Titan, you work catching and throwing. And every time you're watching the ball into your glove, you're watching the ball into your hand, you're looking at your target. I would say I'd probably be the closest thing would probably just be ball handling in yeah. the sense that. It's kind of quick catch and pass. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That's a that's a good one. I hadn't heard that one. I know Caleb. When I asked him, he was kind of talking about like the lateral movement, like of an infielder, and uh, you know maybe you don't run as much in baseball, but when you do, it's a, at a dead sprint. So obviously, there's some of that in there too. Um, so cool, man. I wanted to transition back into football. How did you make the decision to go to UCLA? Is there a couple other offers on the table, or is that kind of always where you wanted to go? Uh, funny story, my mom actually grew up a USC Trojan, so oh, yeah. I wanted to be a Trojan when I was a kid. And um, I went to a couple camps my junior year, and kind of going into my senior year, I had one offer to Fresno State, and it was pretty safe by going there. Some things happened with the coaches, don't want to get into it too much, but ended up saying, you know what, uh, I'm going to go to UC Davis instead. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the coaches at UC Davis, and it was close to home, so I'm the wouldn't have been too far, but it was just, it was a good medium for where I wanted to be. I felt like I could have went in there and played pretty quickly and had a good time with Davis. And then after I had already committed to Davis verbally and online and everything, uh, UCLA reached out to me. And at first, you know, obviously being a Charger and I was or my being a Charger fan as a kid, I was like, ah, my mom was like, you should go try it. And I was like, all right, well, this is like my first serious pack level opportunity. So drove down and saw the facilities and, and the campus, and I was just in awe. It was like one of the um, – it was like it felt like a college campus. Yeah. Like some other ones, kind of it's like, ah, uh, but this one, like, it was beautiful. It was it was amazing. So, and I just, I fell in love with the place and, and decided to go. Awesome, man. Uh, and you spent, you know, four years on the offensive line. Who was the toughest person you had to block? Do you have anyone that comes to mind? Could even go be going back to your high school days? The toughest person I ever had to try to block was Oso Digazua. Okay. He was a 6'2" national champion wrestler uh-huh. from Oregon who committed to play D-line at UCLA. And right now he uh, – I think I've drafted third round to the Cowboys. Okay. And he starts for them, plays for them, is doing – he was the highest rated defensive lineman or maybe defensive player in his rookie year at his, like, out, of, out of the rookies. Uh-huh. And he, he because he's a wrestler, and I feel like sometimes this applies to me too, but – you feel very comfortable in very uncomfortable positions. Uh-huh. You could find ways to, to regain leverage out of weird angles. Yeah. And when you're going backwards and trying to block someone that's like pretty much sideways and like about to fall, but somehow has the strength <laughs> to like stay on its feet and get around you, it's it very difficult. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I feel like that plays into rugby too. I was talking to Mikey Grandy uh, in November. 
and he was talking about you know how he'd uh, trained a little bit of uh, jujitsu and stuff, and that was one of the benefits that he saw jujitsu spilling over into his you know rugby game is you know you are you are comfortable in those uncomfortable situations whether you're you know trying to you know ruck over a ball and then your legs are kind of like pinned under you weird or even you know some of those counter rucks that's got to be some similarities in that too right yeah absolutely i would just say that with wrestling too it's definitely helped me i mean football you have to be low as well but with wrestling and learning how to shoot on legs and get takedowns like a tall guy i know it was just crossover athlete from football there's a big emphasis on not tackling high mm-hmm. but my first instinct was always to wrap up legs go for legs shoot for legs like a wrestler mm-hmm. so I would, I would definitely say that it's helped me the most with my defense was being a wrestler and shooting on legs and, and being able to just wrap up and take someone down yeah uh, and then i know you mentioned it a little bit already but can you kind of tell us how you got into rugby because like you said uh, i was kind of at the tail end of your you know end of college and um, here you are now with American Raptors. So you kind of just talk about, you know, how you were introduced to it and what kind of that process was like getting into it. It was a very um, rugby culture way of meeting rugby boys, if, if that makes sense. Uh, was it at the bar? I went I down a lot of that. I, went, I met them at the bar. Pretty, pretty close, pretty close. <laughs> I went down to San Diego, and it was Super Bowl weekend of this past year, so late February, mid-February. Went down, and uh, – went on a party bus for a girl's birthday. So I'm on a party I'm on a party bus with a bunch of with a bunch of UCLA people and yeah, there's some rugby players there and I get to know them, they get to know me and yeah, I think it's this Irish guy, Rory Core, was like, Oh my God. And he's like a, he's a walk as well. He's like six six. Um, pretty skinny though. He's like two twenty, two thirty. Uh-huh. He's like, dude, like you go to UCLA? I was like, Yeah. He's like, You wanna play rugby? I was like, Yeah. And I, I think he thought there was a catch. He was like, Well are you like athletic? Have you done anything before? <laughs> like I finished like four years of college football and he's like come out to practice on Monday yeah. at six o'clock and I was like all right for sure and I, I had met other guys there too um like Shane Barry uh yeah. Eric and, and just a bunch of other guys so came out on Monday and then played 80 minutes um after three practices very nice. What what was kind of the hardest part of the transition and you didn't have any reservations at all I guess you just they said hey come out and you're like I'm there uh no I had no reservations I I <laughs> love I just, the attitude I don't know it sounded it sounded like fun yeah that's good I love that that's a great answer uh what's kind of been the hardest part of the transition because how so how long did you play in college and was it I mean February that's probably pretty five weeks so five five weeks and three games okay so you did have some a little bit of experience well I, I guess what was the hardest part of the transition did you have any idea what was kind of going on in that first match. Absolutely not. <laughs> I was still learning about like line outs and pods and where to be in the language leading up to the match. Right. Um, but I, I kind of, my teammates were awesome. Uh, I played in the B side game in St. Mary's. My teammates were amazing. They like just helped me communicate where I had to be, where I had to go. Um, definitely the hardest thing in rugby and still kind of getting used to it is spatial awareness mm-hmm. where you need to be and making sure you're not bleeding unnecessary energy going to the wrong spot, the running back to the right spot, just kind of like getting aware of where you need to go. Right. So like the first like 15 minutes of that St. Mary's game, I played like a football player and I was just sprinting everywhere <laughs> and it's not very sustainable. Yeah. So I uh, ended up kind of in the middle of 40, just feeling like death and then kind of got a feel for the game towards the last couple of minutes nice. and then started to play more touch and, and get even better. But the hardest thing was definitely like spatial awareness and obviously the cardio, but 
I mean, that's never really not an issue in rugby. You just keep doing more things and getting more tired the more cardio you have. Right. Yeah, that that is true. Uh, had you ever got to carry the ball in your life before? I know you already talked about some of the weight restrictions in football, but that had to be kind of a nice change of pace, right? Um, I never got to carry the ball. I was a starting punter and kicker my senior year of okay. high school. So you call so, you call some some fire uh, calls sometimes just to get to you know run the ball a little bit. No, I considered it. My coach would have got mad. So, yeah. I really, I honestly, I, on a retrospect, my coaches would have just laughed at it. Yeah. So, and we were there times we were up like thirty points, and I punted, and I was like, just yeah. ran it one so time. Just tucked it. Yeah, just muff the muff the punt or muff the snap a little bit, pick it up, and then take it around the edge. But yeah, no. So I never really got to run the ball before. So it's definitely something that's fun. I definitely like the defensive side of the game more. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's fun passing and catching and, and running. Yeah. But a dominant tackle is a feeling like is probably my favorite rugby. Right. Like so pure, right? Hitting home run. You don't even feel it. Um, yeah. Perfect. Uh, have you had a moment yet where, you know, I like to ask guys I've played rugby this for a little bit, like have you had a moment where you just, you know, realized that rugby is fun? Like like you said, you, you're kind of running around figuring everything out. But I feel like everyone has a moment, whether it be in a training or, you know, in a match where something goes this way and, and it kind of hits you like, man, this is actually really fun. Like I'm, I'm getting the hang of this. I see why people love this. Have you had that moment yet? Um, I love social tournaments. Yeah. So <laughs> kind of over playing uh, even during – the uh, after season when I wasn't like playing with the Raptors and I was just went to Maggot Fest in Montana and just kind of uh, getting really kind of thrust into rugby culture and just kind of like beating the hell out of each other and then having a beer after and just just kind of getting that experience I'd say that's kind of been like somewhere I I could really get into this I'd really enjoy this yeah oh that's a I like that that's a good answer are you coming uh, you're going to uh, Aspen Rugger Fest or no? You know, I'm not sure yet. Okay. Um, when it comes to the Rugger Fest, it's going to determine if I make the academy team for the U23s that I'm at right now for the uh-huh. combine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, kind of backing up, I guess. How did you get the opportunity with the American Raptors? I I would assume, uh, you know, Peter reached out to you somehow, some way. Seems to be so, the answer. But, uh, what ended up happening was the assistant coaches for the UCLA were players on the Giltinis. Coach Charlie plays three. Mm-hmm. Uh, Coach Adam Ash, I think he starts at their eight, and then Coach uh, C-Rod yeah. plays wing. So they came to our Cal game, and I still played in the B-side against that game. And, I mean, I suited up for the A-side, but really played 80 minutes of the B-side game and, and did pretty well against, you know, Cal B-side team is probably still top ten in the nation. For sure. And, and really just had fun and, and, and busted my ass and just, just really enjoyed it. And I think uh, they went up to Coach Clancy, Dave Clancy. Yeah. The, he's the head coach of the academy team at the Giltinis and said, you know, we think this guy might have potential to come and try to play in Laura one day. So Coach Clancy reached out to me and we were talking about the academy. And um, they didn't really have housing for me until I think late fall. And I was thinking about joining the Marines after college in September. And so he's like, well, you know, the uh, American Raptors might have a spot for you in Denver, but they'll pay you, which the academy doesn't do, mm-hmm. and they'll give you housing. And, and, you know, they work across from our athletes, so you might be more accustomed to kind of what they're doing there. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, Coach Clancy made the connection with Peter. Peter called me, went out and visited the place, really liked it. I, I took two or three weeks to come home to kind of talk about it with my parents, think about it, and then uh, kind of finish up some things that I had going on at home, and then came out there and, and been a Raptor since. Nice. How are you liking it so far? I love it. I It's just a lot more responsibility on the player. Um, coming from a college football program, it's, it's very, I'd say, coach-driven in the sense that they're always screaming at you and always telling you what to do, and they're, they're taking a lot of your time away here. There's a lot of, of trust and respect between the coaches and the players to be responsible and, and do what you need to do. Because if you don't, you know, if you stop performing, then they're not going to, you're going to cut you. And if, if you keep performing, they're going to pay you more. So it's really up to the player mm-hmm. on what, 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 what path they want to take. That's awesome, man. Uh, and then I know you, you've kind of talked about it a little bit already, but what's the summer been like for you? I know you're at the rugby showcase last weekend. Uh, how was that? And then, you know, can you talk a little bit about what you're doing in San Diego? So the rugby showcase was awesome. Uh, I was very fortunate to be able to get the opportunity to go out there and and, and work with those coaches. And, and my biggest motivation for going was um, honestly, like competing with other people my age that I know I'd be competing with for probably the rest of my rugby career. Yeah. A lot of those guys are young, they're hungry, they're talented. And, and I'm being so new to the sport, I haven't got a chance to compete really and like get, get to know a lot of people. So my biggest motivation for going was definitely getting the phenomenal coaching and competing against other locks and forwards and, and kind of getting to know everybody and, and getting more into the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not a lot. I was very tired. <laughs> a lot of it is uh, running, running the Bronco and then running the Bronco at the end, 90 degrees, didn't have that much water in me and, and just been um, real altitude. Yeah. Kind of took it out of me and then immediately going to do like, I don't know, like 60 lineouts in 30 minutes <laughs> or 60, 70 lifts, straight into scrums, straight into some other drills. It was exhausting and I was really tired, but it was, it was a good experience and, and it kind of pushed me a little harder. And kind of made me realize kind of how much more I had to take my cardio. Yeah. Seriously, like kind of where where I, I want to be and where I need to be. And then the game after was just fun. I, I played uh, 25 minutes the whole second game and then played, I think, the first 10 to 15 of that third, that really long third game. And then uh, came out, wanted to stay fresh for, for the combine. So, and, and I had fun there. Made like four or five tackles and nice. had like two carries. But it was just it was a good time. That's good. It's having fun playing rugby. And then uh, you said you're you're working out, you're trying out for this USA U23 team. What, can you explain a little bit what that's like? Um, I got invited to come down and train at the Chula Vista Olympic Center. Yeah. Um, with, I think it's like around 40 or so other, other really good um, players in the United States. And um, uh, it's my second day here, so... We came in um, today. Was we came in yesterday and just kind of did some some field stuff, like getting loose, toss the ball around, and then we uh, today we did conditioning tests, so uh, twenty and forty meter like sprints, mm-hmm. trying to get good times, and then ran a bronco, which I did improve upon from Colorado, so I PR today. Very uh, nice. Num- numbers still not the best. I want to get to sub six soon, but I ran like a six oh nine. Very nice. Uh, which is, I think, seven seconds better than what I ran at the showcase on Saturday. And um, so just 
continuing to try to get better and, and working on defense and just trying to, to learn more, like meet more people and just learn as much as I can from all the coaches here. There are a lot of good, really good resources. That's awesome, man. How long will you be there? Uh, it's just through the week or? Um, I go home on the 24th. So okay, I, yeah. I stayed in Colorado the whole time. I've been a rapper and a lot of dudes went home, but I wanted to kind of wait a little while, make sure I, I played in some tournaments, went to Cal Pi, which is really fun. Mm-hmm. Played in Steamboat and um, take about a week and a half after this to kind of train at home and, and visit with family before the, the next chapter season. Cool. Cool. Yeah. And then I just, like you kind of said, so we'll see you back around here. Uh, you know, if things don't go the way you want with the USA U23s, or will you be back either way? Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Can you repeat the question. Yeah, no worries. Uh, will you be? You'll be back in the fall, no matter what. It doesn't doesn't matter what happens with the U23s. We'll just, or we'll see you back here, uh, regardless. Uh, I was talking with Coach Paul and Coach Bot and uh, Coach Luke about it, and um, if I get the opportunity, we're thinking I'm going to take it, and that would be like the last week of August, October 8th. So I would be missing the first part yeah. of the Raptors season. Okay. Um, but they think it's a good opportunity for me to learn to grow and to get better. So um, we're just going to kind of see what happens. I'm, I'm the, I, I have all my, my trust and faith in my coaches to make the best decision for me. So when I get the opportunity or don't, um, I'm definitely going to talk and consult with them and, and make sure that I'm going down the right path. Perfect, Lucas. Uh, well, looking forward to keeping watching you play, man. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. I'm glad to see you rising through the ranks this fast. Uh, really appreciate your time, man. Uh, take care. Thank you. All right, I hope everyone enjoyed that conversation with American Raptors forward Lucas Graham. Like, really do appreciate him taking some time out of his day as he's going to all these high-level camps. And, you know, I, I do appreciate when people make time for me. So shout out to Lucas. Hopefully you enjoyed all that. Uh, we'll go ahead and move into the required reading portion of the show. Required reading is brought to you by Gilbert Rugby. Gilbert is the official rugby equipment supplier of the American Raptors. Visit worldrugbyshop.com to grab all of your Gilbert Rugby gear. So uh, surprise, surprise, if, again, if you've been paying attention to rugby this week at all, you've seen this article floating around in Sports Illustrated titled Rugby in the U.S. is Having a Moment, a Good Moment to be Determined. That's by Martin Pangeli, who, of course, works for The Guardian, but he, he wrote this article for Sports Illustrated. Um, a lot of good stuff in there about the American Raptors, uh, just differing opinions on how to build rugby in America, and obviously the American Raptors are you know, one of the focal points because they have taken this initiative to make this crossover academy. Um, just some good history on, on the program and, you know, the the withdrawal from MLR and all that good stuff. If you've been listening to the show for a while, I feel like I've done a good enough job trying to keep people in the loop when it comes to all that stuff, of course. But um, this was cool to see the American Raptors program and Rugby in America and MLR and USA Rugby, all that good stuff, you know, get some airtime on Sports Illustrated that's uh, you know that's good for the sport in and of itself. Sports Illustrated, obviously one of the most iconic sports magazines, you know, in the United States for a long time. So to see rugby get that shine is awesome, um, and I recommend everybody go check it out. Big big feature on Caleb Geiger, uh, who I had on the show last fall, right when we got back from Uruguay, um, because he's you know knocking on the door of the of the 15s team, the U.S. 15s team. He'd be the first American Raptor to do it if he does it. Um, and he's right there. So pretty cool stuff. I recommend checking that out if you haven't. I'll, of course, link it in the article that houses this podcast as well as in the description of this podcast. Make it nice and easy for everybody to find 
If you're interested in reading it, I would recommend doing it. We're going to move into the stat of the week. The stat of the week is presented by Catapult. Catapult is committed to making performance technology available to athletes at all levels, whether it's the biggest teams and organizations in world sport or amateur rugby players. Catapult helps monitor performance like the pros. For more information, visit catapultsports.com. So sorry, Catapult. I'm back to another food stat as we make our way through July. Um, and I don't know if, if everyone knew this, but I learned this today. July is uh, National Watermelon Month. So I have all these fun facts I found on this infographic on this uh, website. Don't remember what it's called right now, but 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 big shout out to this website and this infographic about watermelons. Uh, so I'm going to read a bunch of these to you. So watermelon is classified as both a fruit and a vegetable. Didn't know that. The heaviest watermelon ever recorded weighed 350 pounds. It's huge. Um there, that's a good little piece, you know, for the stat of the week. Watermelons truly live up to their name. They're 92% water. There are roughly uh, 1,200 varieties of watermelon. I didn't know that either. I just, I just thought watermelons were watermelons or watermelons. The first watermelon harvest on record took place in Egypt nearly 5,000 years ago. That's insane. So I love watermelons. If you didn't know this about me, I eat watermelon every single day in the summer. As soon as they're out in the stores, I'm buying watermelon. I'm eating it every day. Uh, it's the best breakfast, I think. So refreshing. Um, I like to put a little salt on my watermelon, personally. Um, I know that's kind of a polarizing opinion. And last year, a TikTok trend where you put mustard on your watermelon took the internet by storm. I tried the mustard. I don't really like mustard that much anyway. You know, it's not really the first. I don't dislike it. It's not the first condiment I'm reaching for when I'm having a hot dog or a hamburger or something. Um, but it actually, surprisingly, was not bad on watermelon. I wouldn't go out of my way to put it on my watermelon. But if I'm at a barbecue and I'm eating one of the things I just mentioned, and, and some water, uh, excuse me, some mustard gets in my watermelon. I'm still gonna eat it, and I know it's not gonna be that that bad. It's gonna be actually be kind of good. But I like to put salt on it. Uh, I know a lot of people don't like that, but I recommend doing that. If you don't, it's the only thing I really put salt on. Um, if I'm not, you know, seasoning up some some food while I'm cooking or something, I'm not putting extra salt on anything except watermelon. That's a little watermelon fun facts. Fun facts about me as well. So hopefully you liked all that. Uh, we'll go ahead and close the show with the loop. First Bank is the official banking partner of Infinity Park. They believe in banking for good, doing their best to do right by their customers, communities, and employees. Banking for good, member FDIC. Uh, so I'm not sure whether or not I'll get a podcast out next week, if I'm being completely honest. I'm out of town again uh, for the weekend and then spilling into the next few days of next week. So if I get one out, I awesome. I'm going to try my best, but I just can't guarantee anything because it does take a few days to get this together, believe it or not. Um, and if you're looking for some content, I've made some good progress on my Sean Clark piece this week. And if I was a gambling man, which I am, I bet that I get that pod or excuse me, that that piece out next week. So stay tuned for that. And the best place to see, you know, whether I'm putting a podcast out or whether, you know, I put the Sean Clark piece out. The best way to see all that is by following along on Twitter at DNVR underscore rugby and at Colton Strickler. We're only about 90 followers away from 1,000 on the DNVR rugby Twitter, which is cool. It's growing like a weed right now. Um, so follow along if you don't. Please help me get to 1,000. It'll mean a lot to me. Um, tell your friends if you like the show. Uh, and that's it. That's all I got for this week. So if this is the first time you listen, uh, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. If you're a longtime listener, I appreciate you. Um, but thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope you had a great week. I hope you have a great weekend. Catch you all back in a Friday.